I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite media. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm okay. And as am I. Uh, we're going to be doing something a little bit different today. Instead of answering questions, we have a theme. Now, that said, if you have questions for the show, be sure to send those in. You can send them in to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Just make sure you specify what show it's for. If you want to send them in via Discord, you can go ahead and hit us up on our Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel. We tend to look there first for suggestions on themes or questions. We do have several that we're going to get to, trust me. Uh, but this theme sort of organically popped up after last, last episode. Again, thanks to our Patreon supporters. If you can't support us on Patreon monetarily, we understand listening to the show is its own form of support. Uh, you can still ask us questions. And if you don't want to send us emails, you can go ahead and hit us on our Q and podcast questions channel on Discord. We will look there as well. And be sure to share the show with your friends. Uh, it helps grow our listenership, which is immensely helpful. So. What happened at the end of last week's episode is Matt and I were sitting down and we were like, you know, one of these days we should just do a whole episode about what we think an elf expansion would look like. And then Matt said, well, why don't we just do that next week? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do what an elf expansion we think would or could look like. Now, I think going through some of the highlights of all the things that have happened to elves is probably a prudent point to start at, unless you disagree, Matt. Yes, virulently. Instead, <laughs> let's talk about gnomes. No, I'm, I'm fine. Let's go. So over the course of the Warcraft history, like elves have just had basically everything done to them. They've lost numerous homes, have had a faction that has been divided and evolved over time uh, into different, uh, I, I don't want to say like offshoot branches, because they're all still elves. They all still start from the same place. But they've all had wildly different experiences and have adapted to their environments across the face of Azeroth. So the one thing that we should note, and if you are unfamiliar with elves, is that at one point in time, they were trolls. 
don't tell that to an elf, though. I'm pretty sure they have very strong feelings about that. But at one point, they were, uh, what it was the which tribe was it again, Matt? Uh, it was Night Trolls. Dark Night- Trolls, they're called. Dark Trolls, which settled around the banks of the wound that was left behind, the Well of Eternity, uh, that was essentially left behind when they plucked Yashiraj, when the Titans plucked Yashiraj out of the out of Azeroth itself. As the yep. trolls settled down, they eventually began to evolve and stood up straighter and got a little bit, I don't want to say like thinner, but they bulked out in different ways and uh, became the elves that we know of today, the ones that were basically divided between what night and high elves, right? Well, I mean, it's complicated. I know I'm trying to condense it down. (laughs) The the high elves themselves were originally just an offshoot of the night elves. It was more like a subset within night elf society. It wasn't like their own people, the highborn that they were called the, uh, the Queldari were they called themselves the children of noble birth. It was basically just a status thing. It wasn't, you're a different kind of elf. It was, you know, you're a noble in the society. Uh, over time, the Quildari became very adept at arcane magic because arcane magic was the means to power for the ancient Caldari Empire. And thus, if you weren't a mage, you you ha- if you weren't into magic, you had somebody on staff who was. It just you weren't getting anywhere without a magician somewhere involved. After the well, the war of you know the Well of Eternity, the War of the Ancients when the well of eternity was basically imploded and the, uh, the much of the continent of ancient Kalimdor was subsumed under, into the waves, their society changed as it would have had to. But a lot of people, a lot of the Quel'Darai didn't want to abandon magic. Even the ones that had ultimately sided with the, uh, the, the, their own kind against the demons didn't want to give up arcane magic. It was just and integral to like their society, right? It was just, it, it was, was just, just an identity of themselves, right? Yeah, it, at this point, it was how they had defined themselves for you know however many years they had done so. Um, so when the the Calderai under Taronda Whisperwind and you know Malfurion Stormrage basically banned arcane magic, said you can't do this anymore. It's too destructive. Look at the the cost to the world. They were like, no, uh, and they basically created a storm to try and show off their power and why they were necessary. Instead of that working, it basically got them banished. The, uh, the other night elves were like, get out. We don't want you around. And so led by, you know, Dathramar Sunstrider. Um, I don't know what his last name would have been in, in Thalassian. We never actually get to see that. No. So again, we, we don't get to see Malfurion and Stormrage's name in, the last scene either they just translate them but sunstrider was always a, unusual even for a, a night elf he'd always been unusual even for a quelderai uh he liked daytime he liked the sun he liked going around that's that's not very very night elfy the calderai literally means uh children of the stars so in essence that's why they're they became different people uh, before that split, they were the same people, just some of them considered themselves better than the others. When that split happened and they exiled themselves across the new sea, what we call the Great Sea, to what is now, they first showed up in what is now Lordaeron, but they were like, oh, there's something weird going on here. We don't want to be here. And then moved further inland. They started changing. They'd been cut off from the Well of Eternity that had been destroyed. They were cut off from the new well of eternity that Illidan had made using the water from the old well. Uh, they couldn't get to that either. Um, but they did have access to something that Dathramar used to create 
a different kind of well, the sun well. And exposure to the sun well changed them. Uh, they started, they, they, they noticeably were different. Their skin, their hair, their eyes, all of it was different. Um, I don't know if, well, how you would describe the difference between them. You know, they tend to be shorter and more gracile, if that makes any sense. They're, they tend to be less bulky than night elves. Night they're, elves kind of have a... They're built for speed more than they are for... I, I, I guess it's a weird way to say it, but like they're, they're just life. They're just what much more life. I would say that if you think of uh, night elves as linebacker type builds, uh, high elves had more of a, a dancer type build. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, now, that's the difference between night elves and high elves. And for a while, that was the only real division. And they were physically separated. They, they, were, they were like an entire ocean between them, and they, they did not communicate very often. Occasionally, a high elf would somehow get over to Kalimdor using magic. Uh, there's a place up in Winter Spring where you, they, you actually, there's a quest where some, some high elves show up and, and they've been, they've come back looking for, you know, to, because while they lived a long time, they weren't immortal. Like the high, the night elves, the night elves had the, the uh, world tree, uh, Nordrasil and the pact that was made with the dragons that made them immortal. They couldn't, they didn't die of old age anymore. Like technically they weren't immortal. They just were unaging. Uh, you could kill them. Uh, lots of them got killed over years, but you they didn't die of old age. Whereas the the high elves would live a couple thousand years, but they would die. Like they they didn't they didn't have that endless youth. Dathramar has been dead for a while, for example. Uh, but still, I mean, you know, you can't really complain about living a couple thousand years. It's not like it's bad. It's a bad deal. Um, regardless, to them, it became legendary. Like this is stuff that happened ten thousand years ago. You know, that's that's like your great grandpa's time. Whereas for the night elves, it was yesterday because they don't age. They, they get to a certain point and then they just stop dying. They stop aging. Yeah, here we are up until the well of eternity. I mean, up until Nordrasil was destroyed. Uh, that's that's when that got changed. But so that was the only division for a while. I'm stopping now so you can talk. <laughs> uh, that was really the only division for a while, but it, again, that was something that is is notable, right? Two at this point, we have the two separate branches that begin to uh, expand and, and develop their own cultures, and eventually, just they're just gulfs apart, right? Um, then, with everything that happens with the devastation of, uh, let, let's fast forward a little bit. Uh, the we'll call them high elves still at this point the they have their own society and then all of a sudden what happens the events of warcraft 3 happens and a certain human death knight shows up after uh, a period of time and completely decimates them there's almost nothing left at that point uh they're essentially a group of stragglers and survivors that try to eke out an existence for x amount of time um not only this, but it leads to uh, sort of trying to think of how to explain Kael'thas. Kael'thas taking over as leader uh, was an interesting thing for them at that time because, one, he escaped the devastation of their homeland. And when he returned, uh, there were lots of things that weren't there anymore. One, like the Sunwell, which meant that the source of essentially their existence wasn't there anymore. And that basically put them into a tailspin as Kel'thas was trying to find every which way he could to essentially let his people survive. This led to uh, what is greatly considered some bad decision-making. 
uh, alliances made that probably should not have been made fights that he probably would have been better off not getting into uh, and eventually led to him working with the Legion. This is where, again, more tragedy occurs, because at this point we see the sort of what are now essentially blood elves going through a withdrawal process. They become husks of their former selves if they don't have uh, the energies to sort of like sustain themselves. Uh, And it creates even more division and tragedy. Uh, And they're not members of the Horde at this point. In fact, they're just basically members of the Legion and working with Illidan at, at several points in time. And again, we're trying to condense a lot of years into a very short period of time we're going to miss stuff or we're going to glance over stuff. And I apologize in advance. So now they're rebuilding. You have Lothamar taking over in place of Kael'thas after all of those events happen. They're trying to rebuild their society, which is still besieged by undead as well as trolls, uh, which they're not exactly the fans of the Armani that are basically right there. Uh, and they're not doing so great. Now the night elves also have their own trials and tribulations. You have a nightmare creeping through uh, the Emerald Dream ever so slightly. You have Malfurion who has basically pulled himself back uh, from essentially Night Elf society for thousands of years at this point. How long was he in slumber for? Pretty much uh, he would get out. He would wake up from time to time, but pretty much from the moment they made the pact at Nordrasil, which is just after the the war of the ancients. So, so we're talking a solid 9k years. Yeah. So, so he's removed himself from society for that, that period of time, leaving uh, Tyrande to lead their people. All the meanwhile, they're getting uh, waylaid. With the, well, they don't even understand what's happening to them because you have Xavius doing his stuff in the background. Uh, the satyrs, try, who are former elves, another offshoot in evolution, uh, basically undermining them. And then it leads us to just even more just, I don't even know how to describe, I keep saying tragedy. Elves have, getting, have basically gotten a raw deal all the way through. All right, here's here's what I'm going to try and do for us. I'm going to try to run through everything that happened yeah. to the Night Elves in that time. From about 9,000 years ago, Malfurion and his uh, his druid supporters, in between their their extended you know hundreds of years long naps, uh, tried to develop something called the Pack Form. This didn't work out. Uh, the Pack Form drew upon the power of uh, Goldrin, the the wolf ancient, also known as Lagash, to uh, other peoples. Goldrin wasn't stable anymore because during the War of the Ancients, he'd been hit by so much fell power while fighting to defend the, the world that he'd gone kind of insane. So tapping into Goldrin's power, <clears throat> it granted him the ability to create a new form. It was like a giant hybrid warg human thing, but the power was came at the price of madness. You couldn't control it. He attacked Cenarius while using this form. Um, Cenarius barely managed to stop him. So he forbade that form. But during a war with various satyrs called, uh, you know, the, 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 the war of the satyr uh, or the war against the green flame, the uh, pack form got rediscovered by several n- night elves, including one named Lorelar Fang- Fangfire. And this is where the curse of the worgen comes from. So that happened about 9k years. Uh, at some other point, <clears throat> they had a long period of basically trying to get the world back into some kind of shape. Keep in mind that half the continent, it was just underwater now. And all their older places like Suramar, as far as they knew, they were gone. Like th- there was very few people who knew anything about 
you know, any place that's on like the broken aisles or what have you, they did, they just did not know about those places. Um, as far as they knew they were gone. So they trying to rebuild their society. They don't have access, like pretty much every night elf alive for that 10,000 year period after the war was a refugee. Like, because every place that they'd settled in was pretty much gone or cut off, cut off or gone. I, I mean, and as far as they knew gone, uh, so they ended up settling in mostly what is now called Northern Calumdor. They had settlements in other places. They had one in Silithus. You can still see this, the evidence of it. They had one in Feralos, and that's the, 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 that's still there. Feathermoon Stronghold is basically built on the remains of it. Uh, to watch, of all things, it was to watch another former Night Elf settlement, <clears throat> Eldrathalus, which is now called Dire Mall. A lot of it, you, you can see the ruins of the Night Elf Society on both continents. Uh, there's plenty of them over on the Eastern Kingdoms as well, but they weren't currently over there. Or at least if they were, it was like they would travel through one of the portals. Because during this time, Fandral Staghelm, who is one of Malfurion's like top students... He was awake a lot more than Malfurion was because Malfurion was basically handling the whole healing the world and the Emerald Dream aspect of things. So, so uh, because again, they haven't realized exactly what the cause of or what the uh, extent of the nightmare really was. Just that the the thing that they were entrusted to was sort of just not doing what it was supposed to do and not looking the way it was supposed to. Well, keep in mind too, the nightmare wasn't even noted known of in these days too. Correct, like, it, but it wasn't known as the nightmare. Yeah. yeah. The Rift of Alm, they didn't know what the deal was with that. But so while Malfurion was basically taking extremely long naps to try and heal the world from like the whole half of it sank part of the the the, the old days, the Sundering, uh, his his student, whose name I just knew and said Fandral, uh, Fandral Staghelm was basically trying to fix the world himself by planting more world trees just all over the place. Anywhere he could go, he'd try, he'd try and fix it with a big tree. That was. I'm surprised that when Fandral had a child, he didn't try using a tree to stop its bedwetting or what have you, because that's what he was doing. He just every time he came up with a problem, a world tree was his solution. Uh, there's a world tree up in Grizzly Hills. Uh, yes, Grizzly Hills up in uh, Ice Crown. That's him. He planted that. Um, the various trees like the, the, around the world that have portals on them. Those were all Fandral. Fandral planted those trees too. He's attempting to deal with, he's found, he finds a, a Saranite deposit. He builds a tree. Like that's seriously his go. Like, Hey, there's some kind of old God corruption here tree. So at some point he was over on the Eastern kingdoms planting trees. Cause there's two big, tree, you know, portals with giant trees growing out of them. And that was his doing. He, he just loved planting trees. So he, that's one of the things that the night elves were trying to do. Was, was fix the planet from all the damage it had gone through through the Sundering, from all the old god corruption. And as a result of all that, about a thousand years ago, the worst thing before the return of the old, of the uh, Legion happened in that the, the one of the old gods, C'Thun, woke up. Like before that, we've had old god minions. We've had like Cathrax and, uh, you know, Zakajaz. And other things like that, Chithraxi minions. We've had those things, Kithics. Those things are dangerous and bad. No one, no one's arguing that they're good. It's it's very bad when one of those things wake up. But Cthune woke up, and when Cthune woke up, it sent out its uh, no longer Akir minions, the Karaji, they're now called. It sent them forth to do its bidding, and what resulted was the War of the Shifting Sands, which the Night Elves were getting their butts kicked in. 
they were losing and losing badly. They got driven out of Silithus. They got driven across Ungoro. And the only reason they didn't get driven further north when they got to Tenaris was because on their way north, they stopped and basically begged the, the bronze dragonflight for help. The bronze dragonflight said, no, that this is not our deal. And then luckily for the night elves, the, uh, the Silithid and Karaji armies attacked them attack the uh, bronze dragons forcing them to intervene yeah. when they normally wouldn't have yeah they were like we're, we we do time stuff but we can't let you attack us in our home so they ended up teaming up with the the night elves but this kind of soured fandrel's r- relations with the with the dragons especially when on fighting their way back to silithus and beginning to fight their way into uh the Ankaraj, which was the place that they were the uh, karaji were coming from Fandral's son was kidnapped and murdered in front of him by the general, uh, I can't remember the general's name, but the general of the Karaji forces murdered Fandral's son literally in front of him to try and break him. And it it worked. Fandral basically shut down. He was like, you know, my only son dead. Uh, But they, the, the dragons and the elves managed to push the uh, Karaji back. They couldn't defeat them. So several really prominent dragons basically sacrificed themselves to buy them time to, basically put a barrier of null time around around on Karaj. Like just like a barrier that nothing could enter or leave because there was like no time in it anymore. And that lasted for a while, but unfortunately old gods are what they are. So that we're coming back on that one, but that's the kind of thing that was happening to the elves all the time. Like if, if it wasn't an army of satyrs, it was their own kind driven crazy into werewolfism. If it wasn't that, it was some weird scythe of a loon that somehow was, you know, doing all sorts of bad stuff because it was actually like Goldrin related, uh, which is also tied again into the Worgen. If, if, if it wasn't that, oh, the Silithid and the Karaji are invading. It just, you know, meanwhile, 10,000 years of, nut, nut, of nutty stuff. Meanwhile, <laughs> over on the other side. Yeah, meanwhile, on the other side, you have uh, descending into madness. You have your city being literally cleaved in half. Uh, your royalty being completely decimated, your uh, the leadership of your military force, the Farstriders, being uh, not only murdered, but being resurrected and used against you in a mockery of life. Uh, then having your supposed leader, the brightest star that that had ever shown, uh, take over, make deals with fell powers, uh, curse your people into needing the fell energies at this point now in order to survive, uh, while then still can. Condemning your the rest of your people to a slow and steady death uh, until eventually you can have your source of power reignited, uh, which that's a whole complicated thing and does involve the blue dragon flight as well. Uh, it is weird. Uh, po- women that turn into pools of magic should not be a form of government. Um, not only that, but now you have in that pursuit of survival, you have an entire group of of elves, these high elves that capture a Naru in consume its light in order to basically become not just paladins, but to essentially purge themselves of the fell addiction and leading to a whole series of complicated choices, joining the horde uh, and then having to justify that after your own people reject you, because that's a thing that happens as well. After uh, reaching out to the people that you had long since lost contact with, deter- telling them that you want to come back to elf society, that you want to uh, join up again and, and be part of the whole, only to be told, nah, we're good. You can stay on this island because y'all done some real shady stuff. Peace. Uh, 
then going to the Horde, which is almost anathema to you because the Horde was the first thing that caused your people problems. Uh, orcs and trolls and the original, the OG Horde that came through the, the Dark Portal murdered your people, continued to murder your people for years and years and years. Uh, they devastated the world multiple times, and you are left to deal with that. Uh, then leading to the modern-day sort of gulf between them. Uh, there's more complicated stuff in there, but now we also have other divisions within the elves themselves. On the Night Elf side, they brought mages back. They brought the High Elves back, High Elves that had been separated uh, and, and sort of integrated back into it, which just led to further questionable blood between the blood elves and the night elves. Cause it's like, Oh, you told us no, because we were tainted by magic before, but yet here you go. You're, you're accepting these, these funds that are, you know, never stopped using magic back into your ranks. Okay. We see how it is to some dedicating themselves to the power of the void where you have uh, Lyria windrunner who has basically just said, okay, cool. We're going to take an offshoot of all these high elves and other elves that, you know, we're formerly of the Alliance that were formerly allied with the Night Elves and say, cool, we're going to accept these Void Powers, creating even a further division. Whereas on the Blood Elf side, there's a reintegration of the society that was once thought lost to them. We talked before about Suramar being lost in, in believing that it was under the water for 10,000 years, only to discover that, no, it, it didn't. It was still there. Uh, and it was under in a magical bubble uh, that basically kept them separated from everything, leading them to have the same problems that the Blood Elves wound up having with that magical addiction, except it was to their arcane font, uh, having the same problems of becoming wretched and uh, withdrawn from their power source some, or their food source, their source of survival and longevity to the point where they were had entire groups of outcasts. They had to be almost tyrannical to keep their people alive. Uh, then seeing this reestablished uh, colony then fall under the sway and a deal being made with the Legion, which caused a lot of the problems that the Elton Elves had in the first place. Then having them try to be uh, reintegrate back into society at the end of that, which is at the end of uh, the, the end of the events of Legion, where now both f factions are trying to vie for this faction of, of Nightborn Elves to join with them. Only to have what are now the Blood Elves reach out and say, look, we understand we've been exactly where you were. We understand what it's like to go through all these trials and tribulations. Why don't you, you know, join us? And that creates even more division between the Elves, which now leads us to, well, the current events of the last, we'll say, couple expansions, starting with the burning of Teldrassil. Would you like to talk about that, man? I know you have strong feelings. Um, I do have strong feelings, but it's... The burning of Teldrassil in, in many ways is, is the start of the post Legion world of Warcraft that we're still, we're kind of feeling our way through right now. Um, what happened there is pretty simple. Sylvanas Windrunner was already working with the jailer. And so she decided her goal was to destroy the Alliance, it, but more importantly, it was to provoke a war between the Alliance and the Horde that would lead to a lot of people dying because she needed as many people to be dead as possible in order to swell the ranks of the jailer's minions. Keep in mind that we now know that in the, in the Shadowlands, the anima drought was happening and anybody who died was just going straight to the maw where the jailer would use them literally as material. Like you saw that he would grab their souls mm -hmm. and turn them into machines. Like he was beating them into weapons and armor and constructs. Uh, 
So that was her goal. Her aim was to do that. It was to provoke a war, and it worked. Uh, she got her to war. The Alliance and Horde, she basically led an attack. She fainted an attack to the south. The Alliance sent its forces to the south uh, to defend against it, and she showed up instead marching north straight from uh, Orgrimmar through the zone that's called Ashara, not to be mistaken with the queen who's called Ashara, um, but it is named after her. Through that zone, straight into um, Ashenvale, which was a primarily night elf zone, where they, they killed their way through like a, the major night elf settlement there, then marched up through Darkshore to, you know, right up to striking distance of, of Darnassus. But it was it wasn't striking distance. Had they not had access to um, Azerite, they couldn't have done anything to Darnassus. Like sure, they could have used some catapults and launched flaming projectiles at the the gigantic tree, but those wouldn't have done anything. It would it would have been like trying to set an actual tree on fire by lobbing a couple matches at it. Maybe you'll get lucky, but probably you won't. However, these were Azerite catapults. They were throwing enhanced munitions and. Once Sylvanas gave the order to use them, Darnassus was doomed. Uh, the loss of life between the, the Horde offensive and the attack directly on Darnassus is still unknown, but at least a, at least a thousand elves died. Uh, probably a lot more. We know that at least a thousand because there's a quest you get. Uh, it's no longer in the game, but at the time when you would be doing that event, if you're Alliance, you would get a quest to basically try and save a thousand people from Darnassus as it's on fire. You pass out 30 people in from smoke inhalation and you barely survive. You barely dragged out. So yeah, about a, th- about a thousand people at least died. Probably more because there were villages all over the pl- the island that were not Darnassus. Oh, easily more. Plus everything that was yeah. on the shore and everything else. Yeah. yeah. Everything. They, I mean, they evacuated as many people as they could. Uh, and keep in mind, at the time, the Alliance seriously thought the fullback position was the Exodar on Azure Mist Island. They were getting ready for that to get in. The reason that didn't happen was because while Sylvanas had achieved her goal, she'd you know nearly gotten killed by Malfurion. Uh, the the Alliance was most likely going to come back in force, and they they didn't think they could hold it, so they they pulled back to the mainland. This led to basically. One of the things about this, one of the reasons that that division has come between elves at this point is because this was directly after the Nightborn of Suramar joined up with the, the, the Blood Elves and the Horde. And there were Blood Elves in the force that attacked the Night Elves. Mm-hmm. They, they were directly there. There were Night Elf, there were Blood Elf Paladins like attacking Night Elf settlements that had like no military to them. They were like fishing villages. Um, that's, there's a lot of hostility on the night elf side towards both the Nightborn and the, the blood elves. Now that, that wasn't really there before, before the blood elves were really mad at the night elves for spying on them. Cause they did. And for not, you know, not being particularly receptive to them when they came looking for help. But now there's a direct blame on the Alliance side and that blame hasn't gone anywhere. Like it's been three years since the end of Shadowlands. And there's nothing in game yet that tells us what the, the night elves have been doing. Uh, there's one very little thing that, that will be picked up later as the story advances, but we don't, like, we're, we know where the, the, the undead are living right now. We know where they settled back down in Lordaeron. There were quests. We know that they've had Lordaeron for three years. We haven't still to find out what the night elves have been doing for the past As- three years. Aside from, we know that they fell back to Hyjal. Yeah, but we knew that before. 
Right. They fell back to Hygel before. As to in, as far as we know, since the end of Battle for Azeroth, and so that's been about six years at this point, they've been living in Hygel. And we don't really know what that means or what that looks like. What have they been doing in Hygel? We know Nordrasil is basically almost back. It's almost completely regrown. But we don't know what they're doing there. You know, again, are they fortifying it? What what, what is happening there? We And I'm going to just drop a spoiler here for Dragonflight. Um, if you don't know that this is happening in Dragonflight, guys, I'd say skip ahead a minute. Mm-hmm. But at the uh, in the in the middle of all this other stuff happening, Ysera had died during Legion, which was a huge blow to the Night Elves because Ysera and the Night Elves are super tight. In Dragonflight, Malfurion trades himself for Ysera. Now, it's not permanent. He will not be staying in the Shadowlands forever, but he's currently in the Shadowlands, and Ysera is currently back with the dragon. Um, as a result, though, she will not become the Aspect again. If they get their Aspect powers back, she's not going to take them because she's not really back. Like she's still tied to um, the Winter Queen's. Uh, she's she's transcended yeah. that form essentially. Yeah, she's part of Ardenweald. Like she's still tied to it. The only reason she could come back through was because you know Malfurion basically is willing to let her be there in his place and is in there is there in her place. So that that's happened too. So now that Malfurion's gone, Taranda has literally been through hell the past few years. Like she saw she saw Darnassus die. She failed to save it uh, in part because Malfurion got sucker punched. He, he basically was fighting off. Sylvanas, he was going to win too. There's no two ways about it. He was going to kill Sylvanas. And he didn't realize that Saurfang was there until Saurfang hit him in the back and almost killed him. And then Taronda showed up and would have killed him, but there was Malfurion almost dead, and she chose to save him and get him out of there, which meant that she wasn't there when Darnassus was set on fire. But I don't think even she, I don't think she understood that that was going to happen. Mm-mm. Like she didn't know that the horde was going to attack Darnassus. Why would she know that? That it didn't make any sense. Like no one knew that the horde had Azerite-powered catapults that could burn down Darnassus. I mean, Feldrassel. Darnassus was on top of it. So when all that happened, the Night Elves went. You know, they'd already lived through a world-changing cataclysm once. They've managed to fight off the Legion the second time it returned. They they made an alliance with outsiders, which is something they had not done in ever they had never done this this is not like the high elves that became the blood elves had made alliances before they allied with the humans to to fight off the the trolls the first time they joined the human alliance uh in, during the second war they had an idea of how to go about doing that night elves had not done it ever for any reason no they stayed secluded intentionally yeah i mean the closest they came was occasionally they noticed there were some torn around and kind of wave like they they were not big on outside groups. They're 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 a touch more xenophobic. And as a result, they've made an alliance with like these these strange humans and others, like the dwarves and so forth. People they had not dwarves were just as new to them as, as humans. Like they they were like, what is going on with these things? But they made these alliances with them. They built a city, uh, at the urging of Fandral Staghelm, they built a city on top of the new world tree he planted, even though the dragons were like, we didn't tell you to do that, and we're not going to bless this one. Stop building world trees for everything, Fandral. They have a specific purpose. You don't use them for everything. He's like, no, more trees. Um, so 
that tree had its problems, and it was later revealed that the Nightmare Lord, Xavius himself, was involved in some of those problems. But at the, as a result of it, when it was burned, when that tree got burned down, it was like Taronda had finally just had enough. After 10,000 years of putting up with her husband continuously going into a deep sleep, putting up with Fandral being just such a colossal jerk all the time, putting up with all these things that happened to her people, she was finally done. And that's why she went and tried to do something incredibly dangerous and pulled it off. But after that, the, the whole Night Warrior thing, which I'm really going to, we think we've done an episode on it. At we one have time. absolutely done an episode on that one. So please listen to the but, previous one if you ha- if you have not heard it. But as a result of all this stuff happening, now she doesn't even have her husband anymore. Taronda is in an interesting place. Uh, she's given up the, the full on, I will murder you vengeance thing she was doing. But that doesn't mean she feels good about what's going on. Well, and this is sort of the impetus, right? Like, and and because we've gotten, we've we're basically caught up to the current day, at least to a certain extent, right? Where there's some, yeah, we we've kind of haven't really given the void elves enough, but you know, guys, we, we don't have we don't have enough time for that. But I mean, some alliances have been forged and and have been bonded. Like you have the blood elves and the nightborn are now eternally bonded as their respective leaders are now wed. Uh, they are husband and wife now uh, and eternally uniting those two people. And that combined with Tyrande basically ready to walk away from the Alliance, which we've pointed out a few times because in their time of need and when they needed them, the Alliance just didn't show up. Yeah. Just the Worgen did only the Worgen did. So the Worgen, they're cool with the Worgen, like, like, which you know, as cool as you can be with a bunch of uh, a bunch of folks led by you know a man who is known by his rage, but even still, it started this idea of with the dragons now getting sort of their story. I don't want to say concluded, but we're getting closure to a lot of things that have been happening for dragons for for a very long time now. What would that look like for elves? What would an expansion that focused on everything that's happened with the elves in those moments of of, of I don't want to say reconciliation, but giving them their moments of closure. Would it be something like, what would we like to see from it? Now, Matt and I have talked about this a little bit in the past here and there, but I thought giving it a little more time to go in depth would, would sort of be, I think important. So Matt, what is, let's start with you and your thoughts on it. What would you like to see like in an expansion that focuses on elves in general, not just the night elves, but, the, the elven society as a whole, what would it do? First off, high elves, playable, finally. And we get to talk about their lore because they're still around. There are still high elves. There's not very many of them, but what the heck have they been doing? We know that there's a, a high elf village on Outland. You know, the Larian stronghold, it's full of high elves. Those guys aren't night elves. They're not blood elves. They're not void elves. They're not nightborn. They are high elves, you know, classic Warcraft two high elves. What's up with them? Are they still there? Have they come back since? Uh, we know that there are high elves still in the Alliance military because you can see them when you go to Northrend. Uh, there's, there's a village of them. They work for the Alliance. They're part of the seventh Legion contingent. What about those guys? What about the various high elf settlements like Quelith and Lodge? Uh, some of them got taken out. Uh, the ones in the Plaguelands absolutely got taken out, but they're still the ones in in uh, Dwarflands. W- what about them? What are they doing? What have the what have the High Elves been doing in the past? I, I'm going to say decade or so. 
it's actually actually been longer. I can't I can't remember exactly how long it's been since they they lost their homeland. And everything Joe talked about with the Blood Elves, imagine being like the Blood Elves were like basically like one out of every ten people, one out of every ten elves that survived Arthas's attack. Like nine out of ten died. One out of every ten survived. Of that group, one in ten of those people are high elves still. And the rest are blood elves. And then, of course, there's been new children and so forth since. So the, the high elves are like the barely surviving fringe of a culture that changed into being the blood elves. And they, they've like, what has happened to them? What have they been doing? Are they all pretty much alliance for life? Have some of them realized, you know, I want to be with my people and gone back to Quel'Thalas, even though they're not blood elves? You know, has the has there actually the years of, of drawing on fell power and now direct access to the pure light. Has it changed the blood elves in ways that make them physically different from high elves? Like, or is it still just high elf is like a blood elf with blue eyes. I want to see all this explored. I want to see more about them. I want to see more about the void elves because the void elves are just blood elves that started practicing void magic. And then the, 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 the blood elves in a move that is hilariously ironic immediately reacted to them the way that the night elves reacted to the high elves. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's exactly the same. You're practicing forbidden, dangerous things. Get out. That's like the elven response. I swear to God, there's probably some elven teenager out there somewhere listening to Swedish metal and some, their grandfather just threw them out of the house immediately. As soon as they heard it, that's just, that's the elven solution. Get out. Um, but yeah, I want to know more about the Void Elves. I want to know, like, Alaria's not a Void Elf, but she's kind of like the racial leader for the Void Elves because she has an even more profound connection with the Void than they do. How does that work? Yeah, because that's that's um, a whole other thing too, right? And and when are we going to get to see Chandra's Feathermoon just kick all of their butts with archery? Because she's better than any Blood Elf who's ever lived. And yes, I'm looking at you, Sylvanas fanboys. She's better. She is. I don't want to hear it. Canonically. Yeah, she is the best archer in the world. Uh, but but that's just a minor thing. I would like to see all three, all three, and I'm including Sylvanas in this, of the Windrunners back. I would like, not necessarily they get to be involved in like the whole story. Like Sylvanas is busy. Sylvanas is basically trying to do the impossible and and redeem herself in some way. So I don't think she should like show up and be on a council or anything, but I definitely would like to check in on her uh, to know what she's doing. Did she find Nathanos' soul? Uh is it gone? Did it get turned into some weapon? Maybe it got turned into the legendary she was using. Imagine if she found out that that bow was her boyfriend. Because the bow was given to her by the jailer. Yeah. And the jailer would have had, you know, the guy died, so he was sent to the to the maw. So it's quite possible that the jailer, in one of his little moods of irony, turned the guy into a bow and gave it to Sylvanas. Because he was just as good of an archer as, as she was. Yeah. Well, maybe not as good, but he was really good. He was about as good as any humans ever been. Uh, so yeah, who knows? I don't know, but I think that would be fun to find out. Uh, I'd like to see. I want to see Verisa. I want to see Verisa's kids. Yes, we haven't seen them in forever. We haven't ever seen them in game. They have never been in game. That's not, true. Not even when we saw Verisa. Uh, her not that you know not that Ronan's death was a minor thing, but it's done. It's over. He's been dead for a while. What has she been doing since? How has she been raising the kids? How are like. And then there's the fact that Illyria and Turalyon have a son, Arator, who is their cousin, and they're all part human. 
they're all like half elf, half human children, all three of them. What's that like? Why do Windrunners seem to just love humans? I mean that literally. There's a story, a, th- a story thread we could go on. Um, I would also like to see. I want to see Nightborn Night Elf interaction. Yes, because there's a there's a fault line down that culture, and I think Taronda would probably at this point admit she made some mistakes dealing with uh with the Nightborn, but at the same time, she would be hard pressed to say she felt wrong because the Nightborn have essentially proven her right. They didn't want to try and like earn back any kind of forgiveness. Keep in mind that the Nightborn only existed because they were directly following Ashara's orders during the War of the Ancients until the very end when when Elistra when you know Elistra's I want to say Elistra's Elistra? Elisandra. Elisandra, thank you. Elisandra realized, oh no, uh, she's gonna get us all killed. And so using her knowledge of ancient artifacts that she'd been collecting for Ashara, she she created the bubble around Suramar that preserved it. She was not innocent in that war. She was very heavily, she wasn't even like Dathramar who started off following Queen Ashara's orders, but quickly said to himself, she's going, she's, she's going crazy. She's these things that she's summoning through. They're not, they're the ones murdering everybody. We're, we're the bad guys, Klaus. We got to get out of here. Um, that is not what, what, you know, she did. So there's, there's, but at the same time, as, as I'm sure, uh, I want to say Thalysra, is that her name? The first Arcanist, the Lysra. Yes, yeah. first, the Lysra, who is now in charge of the uh, Nightborn. I'm sure she would have some points to make about how, you know, my people were suffering and dying, and you wanted us to waste our time curtsying to you when the Blood Elves just offered to help us. I'm sorry, but it's not a hard decision. Mm-hmm. You know, between between the cold shoulder you were throwing our way and their open welcoming one, it's pretty obvious to see why I went where I did, which. I don't think would help, but I think it's a, it's a reasonable argument point. I don't think the one thing I don't think a night elf, uh, not a night elf, sorry. The one thing an elf expansion shouldn't do is end up with all the elves, like on a council somewhere making decisions for elf kind. I don't think there should be some kind of rapprochement. I agree. And you're, you're hitting on something that I think is, is very, very integral to that, right? Like, I don't think it needs to be a happy ending. I don't even think it needs to be an ending. I think it's, it needs to be, a, a story like, yeah, what we do, what we haven't seen in years is any sort of meaningful interaction between these groups on their own. We've seen them interacting as parts of the Alliance and the Horde, but we haven't seen them interacting like just as elves. As elves. Like, yeah. Yeah. Descendants of the same people. Um, and, th- there's of- a, and there's been like, there were moments in Legion where we almost got there, where we had blood elves, night elves, and even a few high elves all together at Suramar going in to liberate it from the Legion. And that's the last time we saw that. And that's, that was tantalizing. That was this moment of where you have Liadrin there, you've got Taronda there, you've got Farisa there, and they're all kind of representing their people. And it did, you, you really kind of feel like there was sort of like a missed opportunity there. Now, again, not to make them all buddies, but to showcase how they interact and see, and that's, and that's the thing that I want to see the most is I, I've seen a lot of people talk about how they want to have the elves united as their own faction versus the other ones. I don't want that. And I think, and here's why for a couple of reasons. One, I like the idea of what we're seeing in Dragonflight already, where the faction divide is starting to get walked back. 
you are being forced to interact with members of the other factions to help the dragons and in such a way that the dragons have laid it out where you leave your military at home, you leave your prejudices at home. You can send your scholars, you can send your craftsmen, you can send your adventurers that want to help, but I do not want war on my doorstep. We have enough to deal with. I would be okay with the elves taking a similar approach. It's not friends and and we're going to make everything okay and we're going to erase 10,000 plus years of baggage. That's not going to happen. But the establishment of a neutral ground where they can start to interact, start to assemble the pieces of their people, because that's the thing, right? Every single one of these little factions of elves has a little bit of elven history that is unique to them that the others don't necessarily know or remember. The oldest living members of the elven race right now are Taronda, who, you know, has her own wounds and, and, and baggage to deal with, and they are not insignificant, as well as just now having to realize that, or I shouldn't say realize, but the reality settling in that she must lead her people by herself again with no hope of backup, and that's just her responsibility at this point. But the next oldest one is Therissa. She's been around longer than most of these other elves. And I think the next oldest one is uh, Lothamar. No, Chandris is way older. Sh- Chandris is way older than him. Okay. So like Chandris, Chandris is alive during the war of the uh, ancients. That's right. Chandris, Chandris that's is right. easily. In fact, Chandris is older than Felisra. Actually, she may not be because Felisra was an adult and Chandris was a little girl. Yeah. So I think the, but they're, th- they're comparable at this point. They're all basically contemporary. But the point is, is there's very few members of elven society that are, of import that are of that age and having them come together and just open up conversation, not be friendly with each other, not be best friends immediately, but to start to begin the dialogue of, I remember when this happened. I remember when this happened. Okay. Well, I remember. Well, here's one example, right? Here's one example of that. Actually, if you go back and look at, um, (sighs) battle for Azeroth, when you go to, um, I keep wanting to say Val Shirah, but that's not where I'm talking about the uh, Nazjatar. When you go to Nazjatar, at one point, Chandris shows up and goes to a place that was like a village that she like lived in. That's now ruins on on the on the ocean floor. That it's part of the place that uh, Ashara has exposed, and you basically see from her perspective what it was like when the Legion came. What it was like. Like elf society, we keep forgetting this. Elf society existed for thousands of years in a in a form very similar to what it was at its end, and then it just ended. And for many of them, many of them had no idea what was happening. Like go back and watch the Warbringer short with Ashara. Her people were still coming to her for help, not understanding that the demons that were coming through were coming through because she felt like nine tenths of her own people should be dead. Like she felt like, sure, the elves should rule the world, but only the really good elves, the ones the most like me, the closer they are to me, the more likely I think they should survive. The ones who are just the street rabble, I mean, if they, if they die, they die. Now that didn't mean she wanted to see her city get wiped out because she didn't. When her city was about to get destroyed, Ashara went out there and tried to stop it. And keep in mind that that was the entire weight of the ocean. 
as in all the water in the world that was essentially trying to push down on her city and she almost stopped it. And and who out there has any real memory of her at this point? Taronda. Mm-hmm. Chandras. Alessandra. And Felisra. Alessandra, but she's not currently accessible. But Felisra was right there. Felisra also. And those people that were there are probably the only ones who could stand up against Ashara. And that's why I'm bringing up Ashara is because if there's going to be a villain it's going for to be the Ashara. Elf expansion, it has to be Ashara. Yeah, and, and that you're going exactly where I was going to go for it, right? Because it's Ashara has sort of, after everything that happened in Battle for Azeroth, she's gone. We don't know what she's doing now. We maybe have a vague idea of where she is, but literally radio silence, right? We have not been back uh, to uh, Najatar. We have not been uh, down there because we were dealing with the Shadowlands. We don't know what she was doing during that entire time. And there's been no talk of what she did between the Shadowlands expansion and Dragonflight. And that is, I don't want to say out of character because it is definitely in character for her to keep a low profile. Uh, but it would be one of those, if there was an elf expansion, her popping up makes the most sense. And you hit exactly what I was going to say, because those elves, those ones that have been around long enough to remember her and remember what she did are the ones that are most likely able to stand up to her in a united front and giving them something where they are forced to work together and the Alliance be damned, the horde be damned. You know, obviously, if you're going to send champions, we'll take them, whatever. But I'm not relying on, uh, you know, uh, all any any of the alliance our military army. They already abandoned us once before. I'm not going to take that risk and, and put my faith in it and have it. And to hell with the horde. They can't keep themselves uh, from infighting long enough to to get anything done right. So, but if the elves show up and say, "No, this is our ancient enemy. This is our burden to bear together." And have something where they're forced to interact. They're forced to put their differences aside, at least a little bit. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that Tron's going to sit there and welcome the Blood Elves with open arms because that would just be bad writing. Uh, but this, okay, I accept the fact that I need you in this moment, but we're going to have a talk after this is done and it is not going to be comfortable. Actually, I, I was thinking about that. And I can think of a way where you wouldn't have to do that and it would still be Toronto as we understand her. Have... Ashara target the Blood Elves. And them need the help. And have Taronda literally show up at some point and pull them out and say, now you owe me. And here's how you're going to repay me. And that's how it gets started. Because Think about what an epic moment that would be, though, too, right? Like, Plus, the Blood Elves have already shown a tendency to be kind of vulnerable to Naga manipulation. mm -hmm. Kael'thas went along with a lot of stuff Lady Vash said, but he had no reason to go along with it. He just kind of did. You know, and and keep in mind too, both Kalthos and Illidan didn't really seem to understand or care what Vosh was doing in Serpent Shrine Caverns. She was draining all the water out of out of Outland, guys. <laughs> she was taking literally all of it, and you all didn't seem to be paying any attention to this. It's kind of like, yeah, it's great that you've got your your horrible demon infested cathedral at the end of the world and in the destroyed zone, Illidan. And Kalthos, good job on the flying Naru city you stole. But if there's no water on this planet, nobody can live here. Then what? <laughs> you know, where where's your end game for this? They didn't even seem to care. So the Naga, I can see the Naga thinking, yeah, we can we can make use of them, like like we did with Kalthos. And 
I don't think that Lorthamar would go for it, especially since he's married to somebody who would be like, no, 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 we are not doing that. But I could see it like it being like creeping through blood elf society. Like, well, yeah, we can rejoin with our, with the ancient highborn. We can learn secrets we've never learned before. and be like, it's not the ancient highborn. It's the Naga. You know what I mean? Like, and from there, Taronda shows up and basically supports the Lysra. And the Lysra is like, oh God, I didn't want to be on the same side as her, but I guess I have no choice. Oh, this is awkward. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, and I'm just thinking of the epic moment, right? Like it's that moment where in, in to me, I'm looking at, uh, I hate to say it like this, but it's the best comparison I can give for pop culture reference that most people would probably understand. It's that moment in Avengers Endgame where, the portals open up and an army flows through that was unexpected or unanticipated by the opposition, right? Think about it in either of those scenarios. Like you have, let's say, uh, you have the blood elves under siege and all of a sudden the portal opens up and here comes the void elves pouring through the, this rift in space and time uh, to, you know, start mowing down Naga forces. You have the Nightborn going through their arcane portals, uh, bringing in their spell slingers. And then you have over the hill riding in uh, Taronda and, and Chandra's Feathermoon. Uh, leading guardians, leading uh, wardens down into battle uh, to sort of be the ground forces and the archer, the archer support. That- well, you've seen what happens when Taronda attacks a city. Oh, she. Oh, yes, you do. She does if you not. Went to siege, yeah, siege of Orgrimmar. Oh, yes, please. See, she. When honestly, I'm gonna. I, I say this is a joke, but I'm only half kidding. When Tur- when Taronda showed up in Siege of Orgrimmar, I honestly thought Vol'jin was gonna propose to her. Yeah. Like, he seriously sounded like he was absolutely about to marry her. Uh, he was like, Taronda. And she's like, I'm not here for you. Let's get this over with. And it was just, it's a really great moment. Um, I, I would like to see it. I like the idea of them not forgetting or forgiving anything. And this is across the board, not just yeah, the night elves don't forget or forgive. They're, all of them still have their grudges, but they're all aware that as Shara nearly wiped their people out. And that she could do it again, that she is, I mean, and that's the thing we talked about before. And we've talked about Azara as being this, this masterclass villain threat. And why is she like that? She's patient. She's planning. She's plotting. And she's always looking for more power. Matt pointed out last week, and we've pointed this out several times. How many powerful artifacts have we just let Ashara get her hands on? At least one. And, and we don't probably know for sure more. that she didn't get the other three. Yeah. Like we left all the various, uh, p- you know, pillars of creation in the, in the tomb of Sargeras. And the last time we saw them, they were all basically in the same place. They were all kind of like in on pillars in various rooms. She obviously got in and got the, 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 you know, the tide stone. What's stopping her from getting the other ones. The one you was know, right what, in the, right in the front hall. Right. The one is in a, the one was set in a dungeon tower set aside to the other side, the ages of Agamar, right? Yeah, and th- that one was upstairs. In the night, and the other three, yeah, the other three were down in like where you fought the other bosses. So yeah, like when you walk in the door of the of the Temple of Sargeras, there's a room that two demons are arguing in, and there's the hammer of Kazgaroth, like literally right there. So yeah, she could have all four of them. And, she, we know. and the thing is, like we said, we don't know what she's been doing for X number of years, but she has, I'm going to guarantee she hasn't been idle. And if those pillars of creation are one thing, 
what else has been what else is out there that she might have had uh maybe people looking for we know that there are several other titan artifacts and relics and things like that that are strewn about different facilities the naga can go pretty much anywhere hey one of them is a scepter that a bunch of shaman were using for a while yeah just because we couldn't use it anymore i mean obviously there's another artifact that was supposedly drained and no longer usable that ended up becoming sapient and is now wandering around in an elf body. You know, if Zalatath was, was not quite as dead as we thought, who knows about the scepter? The scepter you know, that was originally constructed to house waters from the well of eternity and be used in arcane rituals that shaman then used for natural healing, because that's the only thing they understood how to use the waters for. But back in the hands of an arcane expert, the one that it was made for in the first place. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. Going back to this, we mentioned that the ancient night elves had a division based on who could do magic and who couldn't. Who was an arcane magician and who wasn't. That's the origins of the Highborn. Ashara was to the Highborn as the Highborn were to completely non-magical elves. Ashara was enormously powerful. Like, powerful enough that, that when Manoroth saw her for the first time, he was like, I wanted to kill her, but I didn't think I could do it. Manoroth said that. Maybe Sargeras. Maybe Sargeras could do it. Not, oh yeah, Sargeras could do it easy. Maybe Sargeras. <laughs> You're maybeing a titan up against this woman. And yeah, a lot of her power was indirect. A lot of it was manipulative. A lot of it was getting people to love her because she loved being loved. But let's not forget that she was born with golden eyes and we still don't know what that truly means. We know that it's important, but you know, it also, we also know that elves get golden eyes when they get powerful. Like Malfurion didn't have them until he became a very powerful, you know, druid and then he got them. But Illidan was born with them. And so is Ashara. Illidan obviously had a destiny that included fighting, you know, a, a Titan for the rest of his life. What is Ashara's destiny? Is she, is she supposed to fight something else? And or, what is her plan? Like, think about what is she planning? What is she trying to do? We still well, don't let's, know. let's take it this way. Like, if, if Sargeras was supposed to be her intended uh, bow, uh, we don't know what she found out from Sargeras. Or, again, because she was super manipulative, what she knows about the nature of Azeroth. And that, I think, is the scariest part. Yeah, I mean, if you look back to um, Ashar was somebody who took a city named for Elune, the chief goddess of the Night Elf people. She changed its name from Elundris, Eye of Elune, to Zin Ashari, Glory of Ashara. And her people loved her doing it. They were they thought it was great. So think about what's going on with Ashara and how she is, in, a, in many ways, she is the perfect enemy for an elf expansion. Because she is probably the only thing that could get these groups together. Mm-hmm. Um, even the ones like the Void Elves and most Blood Elves who don't really know how bad she is, um, the others do. Like the High Elves, you know, they they would be fully aware of her because their origin story was all about this. Um, the Night Elves, absolutely. And the Nightborn, the Nightborn rebelled against her because she they realized she's not just crazy. And she's just not, not just evil. She's going to personally get us all killed in her pursuit of power or whatever she is doing. Yeah. She's, she's literally bringing demons in we got to rebel. Like there's just no way out of this. So she'd be the force that could bring them together. And once they're together to fight her, it's a little easier for them to talk about what happened. Yeah. Like, and that's, and that's what I'm saying. Like when, when I said at the beginning of this, that the, the, an elf expansion, 
shouldn't be closure. It should be a beginning. That's it. Right. Like that's what it should be is it should be at the end of it, at the end of whatever the outcome of whether it's the capture of Ajara trying her for her crimes and then arcane locking her away in the, the negative universe or whatever the case is um, you, you come back and you sit down, like you said, they don't forgive and they don't forget, but they look at each other and say, what's next, right? Like, where does that leave us now? And if they can all admit that they messed up in certain capacities and atone for, you know, they're not going to have to atone for what they did because it's not going to be a quick process, but have that conversation of, look, you need us. We need you. We need to find a path forward and have that expansion end with the beginning of a new tolerated uh, elven like conglomerate, right? Not a console, not one that sits there and makes decisions, but maybe ones that periodically meet at that neutral ground and talk about what their societies need. Yeah. I mean, it could be something as simple as we have now established diplomat diplomatic ties that we did not have before. Cause think about it. Cause think about it. Each of them offers something that the other ones don't have or need. Think about going back. Like, would you not think a bunch of night elf druids showing up to silver moon city would help heal that scar that would help try to breathe life back into that land and maybe make silver moon back to what its former glory was, or at least somewhat close to it. They can't do that themselves. Obviously arcane magic didn't fix that nature. And magic actually, might. We know that the, uh, that there's an old tradition that the Nightborn had that they basically abandoned that was similar to Druidism, if not exactly the same. Mm -hmm. uh, it melt it used arcane magic along with the nature magic. But what if I, I, I don't I'm not saying this to be like to bag on anybody, but I think it's it, the reason we don't have blood elf druids already is because blood elves don't want to listen to trolls. Blood elves and trolls don't get along. The fact that they're both in the horde, it's like borderline aggression. Like they just they just don't get along. Um, for one thing, that the blood elves took a lot of land when they were the high elves, took a lot of land away from the trolls. Mm -hmm. Solomon used to go all the way up to where Quelthalos is right now. That all got taken from them by the by the blood elves. I mean the high elves. So there's there's hostility there. The entire reason humans got mages in the first place was because the high elves needed help because the trolls were pushing them out. And that's the, basically the reason that humans have a society at all and aren't just a bunch of barbarians still is because the high, the high elves were desperate enough that an Asterian Sunstrider was willing to teach a hundred humans magic. And from there, suddenly humans were like, you know, all over the place being king high wizards of, of the Eastern kingdoms. And he must've been like, Anisteria must've been in his head. Like I knew I shouldn't have taught them. I knew it, but I had to get somebody. Nobody else was going to help against the trolls. It's not like the dwarves cared. Ah, <sighs> So there's like all this potential between the different groups in, in interplaying in what not necessarily liking each other, but I bet you, here's one example. I bet you it's a lot easier to learn druidry from a night elf who you already kind of think is a weird tree hugging nutcase anyway. Yep. And because you already, you already have, you're getting past that hurdle already. Yeah. And the night elves, they're certainly not going to be gentle, but you're an elf. You're not a troll, you know, elves and trolls have antipathy in a way that, that elves and, and other elves don't now is the, is the night elf going to be a like calm, compassionate teacher? No, they're never that, that they're a wild frenzied people, but they're going to treat you like an elf. They're going to talk to you and assume you are capable of understanding them. 
whatever else they they're going to treat you like an elf and i think that that's the thing that the thing about an elf expansion would be dealing with that elves have not had this in in thousands of years but at one time all elves knew they were elves this is very similar like before anybody says anything this is very similar to what dwarves got to do think about yeah in a way in a way it is think about that like they've established the council sure but they're not exactly best friends and it, they're starting to slowly go back to a point where dwarves were just dwarves you have the dark iron that and that have reintegrated with somewhat with the the wild hammers uh coming in there as well and in in the bronze beards sort of coming together in a way expansions ago at this point uh, where they didn't necessarily have to forgive all of the sins of their past. And in many cases, just flat out don't. We see this in all of the books and interactions and the uphill battle that Moira is fighting uh, on that front with her with her son and, and sort of trying to find that path forward. But at the end of the day, when they came together, it was dwarves. Like, would love or hate the Dark Iron, they're fantastic mages. That's their deal. They got, oh, yeah. They got that on lock. And now what do you have dwarves running around as like because of that? They taught other dwarves how to be mages. They mm-hmm. came back and they taught them just like Matt saying with the elves. They taught them like dwarves would teach other dwarves. They yeah, none of that none of that caring tour stuff. Nope. None of that, you know, read a lot of books and you'll be good at it. You know, for dwarves, it's a practical art. Did you burn dwarves your hand? Good. Did you learn from it? Good. Don't do it again. Like that's yeah. the type of dwarf teaching, right? The thing you did to your hand. I want you to do that to his hand. Yeah. Don't burn yourself. Burn them. Like as was it Patton? I don't want. I don't want you to die for your country. I want you to make that poor sob die for his country. Like that. Dwarves are practical. Dwarves aren't into flowery language and thinking about deeper concepts. Dwarves are like you want to blow up a wall. You don't have any gunpowder. Here's fireball done. <laughs> Here's, thus ends the lesson. But that, and that's what, but you're, that's exactly what you're talking about with the elves, right? It's exactly. Yeah. It's the, it's the, you know, having a druid show up at, at silver moon city and, and seeing these mages trying to heal the land with this magic and going, yeah, that ain't going to work. Like, that's not how this works here. Like sit down, shut up, open your ears and listen to the land. Yeah. What is the world telling you? Uh, Nothing. Well, that's the problem. The world is, in fact, trying to tell you something, and you're not listening. And then you have a nightborn come in that says, hey, I found this ancient text that shows how arcane and the natural order can be fused together into one form. Why don't you try this, learning what you just learned from that night elf over there, and see what happens? And then all of a sudden, land starts to to heal itself or whatever the case is. There's a case where all of them need each other even if they don't want to admit it. And that's the most fascinating thing about a potential elf expansion. Yeah. It basically, in a way, the elves mirror the situation of Azeroth as a whole in that there's been long divisions that have never healed and never been fixed. And they don't necessarily have to get healed or fixed immediately, but there needs to be signs that there's movement and at the same time, um, we've been going for a while, so we're probably going to have to wrap soon. I will say this: we've there's got to be like some actual motion on some issues. Mm-hmm. Like it's time to fix Quelthalos. So having all these groups get together at the end of the expansion and fix Quelthalos would be a good way to cement whatever they're going forward as. So they're going to have their weary. Maybe they 
the the scar that cuts through the ghostlands they could build their meeting place there like they literally build this is where when we all come together we're going to do it here on this plagued spot that we've reclaimed as a symbol of you know overcoming something unthinkable think think of the ghostlands not being the ghostlands anymore because of that unified front yeah exactly um but at the same time it's not just that the void elves need to finally have like a real like we haven't gotten a lot the the nightborn came into the uh horde with suramar at their back the void elves are like absolutely refugees who had nothing it's time to to give the void elves a place like where, where do the void elves go when they're not you know void elfing like you know we're not currently channeling any eldritch horrors what are we doing um well, we think we're all staying at Steve's tonight. Why are we staying at Steve's again? We're always staying at Steve's. He's got the biggest couch. Like, you know, I'd like to see there be some place, maybe up in the Twilight Highlands. Maybe they, they could have that alliance base in the Twilight Highlands. Yeah, re- reclaim pe- bits and pieces of the Highlands. Why not? Yeah, and that could be where they live. They could have that. That's a place for them. It's close enough to where they're from that they could at least, you could imagine them making pilgrimages up north. Maybe they wouldn't get to go near the uh, the Sunwell, but they could go to Quel'Thalas. For some of them, they lived in Quelphalos a couple of years ago. You know what I mean? Like th- mm-hmm. that's that's much their home as it is any blood elves. And and like I said, you got to get the high elves in, into all this. I don't I don't know what how to have them. Like maybe they should be another both horde and alliance race. I don't know and I don't care. But they should definitely be back. Especially considering them coming out of isolation and the story of them rejoining the alliance. Why not? Right. We, we've yeah. already had that established. We've had that established that they've rejoined. And, and I know Matt's been talking about this for a long time and I know other players have as well. Let us, let us have playable highborn and give it to both. There's zero reason not to. I think that's going to do it. Unless there's anything else you want to add, we could talk for hours probably. Yeah. On- the problem is that if I kept talking, it'd be five o'clock. Before we <laughs> the, the thing is, is elves need some time in the sun, right? They need some time to shine. And Even if they don't like the sun and would prefer the moon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that notwithstanding, we've had a lot of, and, and I, I can hear some of you out there, but we've already had a ton of elf story. We have in bits and pieces. We haven't had anything coherent or can like focused on them. They've always been a part of another story, whether it was what happened in Shadowlands, what the elves were going through was just part of the story of Shadowlands. It wasn't a focus. What the elves went through in Legion was just part of the story of what was happening in Legion, not the focus. Same with Battle for Azeroth. These are all important things that happen, and I want to make sure that that's perfectly clear. Uh, not Don't want to take that away at all. But they were just events. They weren't the focus. And I can hear you screaming, but the burning of Tildrassel was a major thing. It was for that moment. We didn't deal with the repercussions of it until way later. We're still dealing with it now, giving us something where the elves are forced to sort of deal with that and work through that and make their way through and navigate it while they are the focus of what's going on. Just like the dragons are the focus of this expansion. I think that's what we all want to see, or at least Matt and I want to see. Don't want to claim that I'm talking for everybody. But I think that we'll do it for today, folks. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means that this podcast and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. 
Again, send those questions in. If we sparked any interesting questions uh, through this episode, send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, you can go ahead and hit us up if you're a Patreon supporter on Discord at the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel. Uh, and if you are not a supporter, you can still hit us up on Discord in the Q and Podcast Questions channel. With that, friends, we'll see you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.